For what do I have if I don't have you, Jesus? What in this life could mean anymore? You are my rock. You are my glory. Welcome to The Rock Podcast. King Solomon introduces the book of Proverbs by explaining what wisdom is and its great benefits. And now he lets us know how to obtain it. But there's going to have to be some effort on our part. Let's join Pastor Ross now with a message entitled, You Have to Want It. Alrighty, good evening everybody. Who's ready to get more wisdom? Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 2. We're going to pick up where we left off. We finished the entire first chapter, took us two studies, and now we're going to head into chapter two. First, we'll ask the Lord's blessing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together in Jesus' name. We pause to acknowledge your great and awesome presence among us. We ask that your Holy Spirit would quiet our hearts and focus our thoughts on the word of God. Speak, Lord, and give us ears to hear hearts that can understand and put these truths into practice. Lord, we want to be doers of the word, not just hearers and, and deceive ourselves, but to, to know and to, to hear and to obey so we can be a blessing to you and, and be blessed in Christ's name. Amen. It's popular to describe life as a journey, it's a metaphor that's used a lot, of course. It's used in the Bible, and it's also used in classical literature. Um, our journey uh, has choices, and uh, uh, reminds me of a little picture here. Robert Frost uh, talked about this metaphor of having to choose a path uh, in our life's journey. And uh, of course, he's a famous poet, was a classical uh, writer. Uh, he grew up in Massachusetts, where I grew up as well. And so he was a local boy who had done good. And so we read Robert Frost every single year that I can remember. And so my favorite poem of his is probably the most well-known. And uh, it's called uh, The Road Not Taken. And it's about the dilemma in life that we have to choose, really, moment by moment, uh, some, and sometimes more significant uh, choices than others. Uh, let me read a little bit of the poem. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both. And be one traveler, long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. And then skipping down to the last stanza, it says, I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Well, you know, I think that put Hallmark on the map, you know, and made them some money because uh, nothing says Hallmark like that last part of the poem. Um, and so, uh, you know, uh, amazingly, he is going to look back on his life, and, and I imagine he's saying that he uh, is recommending taking the path in life that is less uh, traveled. In other words, he took some 
uh, chances. He, he didn't want to live the status quo, and so he embarked on some adventure and is now advocating the less traveled path. And so uh, John Bunyan as well, um, in his classic piece, and, and we have that book uh, in our bookstore, or little rack back there. Uh, Pilgrim's Progress talks about the same kind of thing. Life is a journey. Christian's journey, of course, to leave the city of destruction and to head out for the celestial city. Now, most significantly, our Lord and Savior Jesus uh, talked about two paths in life. And uh, he said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 14, Narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be who find it. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many take that road. So I guess, you know, Robert Frost really was on to something because uh, he agrees with what Jesus is advocating, the road less traveled. Now, King Solomon, now the author and general editor of the book of Proverbs, uh, he loved the two-path metaphor, too. In fact, the entire 31 chapters really is a contrast between those who are wise, who take the path of, of uh, the word of God and obedience to God's wisdom, and those who are fools who do not. And so uh, the entire uh, chapter, uh, chapter 1 to chapter 31 is about uh, the road of wisdom leads to life, and the road of uh, of foolishness leads to death. And so really, uh, wisdom is nothing less than the key to survival. And so we're going to see that tonight in chapter 2 as we pick up and continue our quest to gain a heart of wisdom. And so chapter 2 teaches us two things, okay? It's going to teach us first how we can get on this path of wisdom, how to be wise. And then secondly, the rest of the chapter really gives us uh, that tells us what will happen if we do, the blessings of wisdom, all right? So first, how we get on and stay on the right road, uh, right here, cha uh, chapter two, verse one. My son Solomon really talking, you know, he only has one named son in the Bible, Rehoboam, and Rehoboam does not take uh, well to uh, any kind of wisdom. Uh, We're gonna talk about that. Uh, in the later chapters, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight, and if you cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And so the instructions to obtain wisdom really reveal why there are so few wise people in this world uh, because there are a lot of action verbs involved. There are eight of them there. So, uh, you know, to be smart, to be wise in this life, and by the way, biblical wisdom, as we have learned, uh, means skillful at life, really good at the art of living well. Uh, getting God's take on the, on the person in front of you, uh, how, kind of having x-ray vision about all the kinds of dilemmas that we face in a day's time and seeing it the way God would see it and then acting accordingly. And so just being a success in relationships, in your finances, in self-management, you're just good at 
living life. And that is what wisdom is about. And so here we have um, a lot of action verbs that uh, God will gladly give us wisdom, but there's a part that we play. And that cooperation is probably why a lot of people remain foolish, because it takes a little bit of work, as as we're going to see. Now, some quick theology first about this whole business of being on the path that leads to life and, and that path being wise. When we come to Christ, of course, um, he sets us on the narrow path and uh, that ends in life. And he does that not because we're smart, but because we admit we're foolish and we qualify for eternal life uh, by being sinners and crying out and He gives us wisdom. We become uh, on the path that leads to life, but we don't keep ourselves on the path by being smart or wise. Uh, You can still be on the path that leads to life and do some really stupid things. You may be able to really wreck your life here and also uh, diminish your reward in heaven as the scriptures clearly teach, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. Uh, but you cannot keep your own salvation because you didn't qualify it for it in the first place. So I don't want you to hear anything about getting on the path of wisdom and then you know straying from that path and losing eternal life. You're not going to lose eternal life if you're genuinely saved. Uh, but on that path, you can do a lot of damage as we see all around us. Uh, Every single year, you hear of some terrible thing happening in a Christian's life. And so, yeah, so with that uh, uh, understanding that really uh, having wisdom as a Christian is, is not about maintaining your salvation, but it's the quality of the life that you're living, the effectiveness of your Christian life, the productiveness of it, and your faithful stewardship of it, your testimony, and your future reward. And so those are the things that a Christian has to deal with because it's a choice. Christians choose. Now, last Sunday was a perfect example of the text that said, don't, uh, don't live as uh, unwise, but as wise. And so you have the same sort of choice for Christians to either default to old foolish behavior or to uh, choose the right. So back to gaining uh, this heart of wisdom, uh, verses one through five, uh, really to, to sum it up, He's saying, you got to want it bad enough. You're going to be wise. You're going to do life right. You're going to have a successful life. You're going to want, you're going to need to want that. There are no magic wands. Uh, There's no smart pills to swallow. Uh, There's the dreaded if here. If you do A, B, and C, then uh, this will happen. And if you don't, then it won't. So, you know, salvation is unconditional, but quality of life, stewardship, faithfulness, and enjoyment of God's blessings, they're based on conditions. There's always an if you do this, then this will happen. And if you don't, it won't. And so that's really the problem with why we don't have a lot of wise uh, people in the world is because they're not willing uh, to do the work. There are eight action verbs. Let's take a look at them. 
If you want to be wise, then you will, number one, accept. So, la cac, there, cac, la cac, to receive, to aggressively grab. Okay, so uh, to be open to the Lord. You can follow along there. I have it listed for you. So to be open to the Lord, to value advice, and you're not going to get anywhere with wisdom unless you want it and want to be open-handed. And when you see it, you want to grab it. Uh, and then he says, uh, "You'll if you're going to be wise, you need to store up my commands. And uh, the word there, than uh, to treasure, to hide away. And really what he's saying there is, is that a lot of times wisdom uh, is not immediately available, that you store it up in your heart and then you develop the attitudes for future choosing and future uh, wisdom uh, as, it com- as life unfolds to you. And so also, thirdly, uh, he says, uh, you will have wisdom. You can get wisdom by turning your ear. And so the word there uh, means to prick the ear or pay close attention to. So there's a big difference between selective listening and active listening. Ask the mom of a toddler who's learning how to talk. All right, so they're all words, but you don't pay attention to the 24-7 just outpouring of words, you know, or ask a spouse with a talkative uh, husband or wife, you know, there are, hello, I see elbows flying, you know, We're not supposed to be selective in our listening to the Holy Spirit or to the Word of God. Then he says, apply your heart. And and the word to apply there, to have this wisdom, is to stretch it out. So in other words, to conform your life to the truth that you're hearing. And then the next word is to call out. And, and the word there, kara, is to call out loudly at a person. And really here, you're just all about making your intentions known, that you are going to do life God's way, the right way. And everybody around knows it, and every fiber in your being is focused, like calling out to that thing. And so it goes on to, to say, if you cry aloud, and that's to give full a voice. And really what it's saying is there's such an inner longing that it, it produces uh, behavior. And so from the abundance of your heart of longing, uh, you are reaching out for this wisdom. And then it says, if you look for it like you would silver. So, you know, if somebody told you, you know, hey, uh, uh, I think there's a $100 bill. Somebody said there's a $100 bill that got stuck in the sofa here, here, and whoever... Ha- finds it, can keep it. You know, the way that you look for something of value, and then he goes on to say, to to search for it like it's hidden treasure. You really do look differently for $10,000 than you would your sunglasses in the house. And so, uh, right? Unless, of course, you're rich and famous and wear $10,000 sunglasses. But I don't. Now, the... the, um, So thank you for that. There's a lot of work there involved. So the Holy Spirit has made his point. He says wisdom is very accessible to us, but you're going to have to do some work. You'll get wisdom when three things, when it's important enough to you, when you want it badly enough, 
more than anything else, and when you're willing to do whatever it takes to get that wisdom, whether that's sacrifice or discipline or repenting from the old way of doing things or changing. A lot of people don't like to change. Now, um, it can't be a passing fancy or a temporary thought, or you can't think of getting wisdom like a hobby. There has to be a daily commitment and investment. This is what this, the text is telling us. Uh, a digging deep uh, into the mind of God, the heart of God, into the word of God, and, and putting what we learn into action. Uh, you know, And it also means cutting out the dumb stuff. Right, And so they, these are the reasons that we uh, continue to do silly and meaningless things and not act uh, wise. And so newsflash here is, is that you do what you want to do. You do what you want to do, right? So if you want wisdom, uh, you can get it, but you'll have to do this. So anybody who says, well, of course, you know, you, do you want to get out of credit card debt? and stop spending more than you make, everybody will say, yes, of course I do. But the real answer is no, because you're not getting any better at it, and you're doing the same behavior that perpetuates the problem. And so really, the answer is no. You don't want to be wise, right? And, and to, to find out why you don't want to be wise and to admit it is the beginning of gaining a heart of wisdom. You know, you could say, do you want to stop quarreling with your spouse and enjoy marriage? Uh, do you want to get along with difficult coworkers? Or, or do you want to stop being the difficult coworker? <laughs> <laughs> do you want to stop all the drama and chaos in your life and enjoy peace? Do you want to stop getting into legal trouble or collecting uh, citations or traffic violations. Do you really, do you, do you really want to stop all of that? Uh, well, that's how you do it. And the reason we're not doing it is because we don't want to do that. We'd rather just kind of kick back and, and let it happen, you know. So, um, you know, like I said, newsflash, you do what you want to do. I, I'm thinking about a college a student of mine, oh, some several years now ago. Uh, she had mentioned to me that she really wanted to get married, and she was living with her boyfriend now for three years. And uh, she said, oh, Mr. Ryman, he really wants to marry me. He really does. But there's this and that and the other thing. And, you know, and, and but he really does. He really wants to marry me. And so I said, listen, Ashley. They're always named Ashley. I don't know what it is. I'm sorry if you're just, just, just. Yeah, if they're, Ashley, if you're here, whoops. <laughs> that, no, there's no, yeah, she's already married and she's with her husband. So there, uh, that Ashley. Well, listen, this Ashley, uh, listen, if I told you I like chocolate cake, I really want to get some, and I really want to um, go to Costco and see if that all-American chocolate cake is there, you know, you know the chocolate cake that's as big as a house. Um, 
But every day for three years, I go to Costco and I walk right by that chocolate cake. I have an empty basket. I have the money in my pocket. But you know what, Ashley? I just don't, I don't pick it up. I don't turn my head. I just walk straight by it, you know? But I really love chocolate cake and I'm really going to get some chocolate cake really soon. And then I said, you know, what does that tell you about me? And she started crying and she said, you don't really want the chocolate cake. <laughs> I felt so bad after that, you know, but somebody had to tell her, you know. And so I don't know what happened there in the long run, but, you know, continual behavior that perpetuates uh, the, the things in the list is really just revealing the truth. No, you don't want the wise way. You prefer the easy, uh, lazy way. Uh, Jesus, in John chapter 5, you know, I am spending a little bit of more time uh, on this here because I think it's important. Uh, there was a paralyzed man who was laying by the pool of Bethesda, which is by the Sheep Gate there in Jerusalem. And the Lord uh, miraculously allowed from time to time there to be a healing physical healing and people would come there and they would call on the name of the Lord and they would get healed in there. And so Jesus came uh, strolling through and saw a man lying there and had heard that he had been there for 38 years. And so Jesus, having heard that he was there for 38 years, then he said, sir, do you want to get better? Well, of course, what did he say? I mean, come on, man, of course, you know. And then he gave all the excuses why he wasn't better in the 38 years there. Jesus asked the question because he knew what the answer was, is that this man did not really want to get better. Why? Because there's something about being lame that is comfortable and something you grow used to, and, and something that, uh, you know, uh, you don't want to change, necessarily. This man didn't. You'd have to be walking and, and working a job and nobody carrying you all over the place, and uh, you'd have responsibility and problems and challenges, and you'd have to pay the rent like everybody else. And so, no, Jesus was saying, man, you know what your problem is? Your problem is you don't want to get better. And so... All of us just need to be honest with our own hearts and lives before the Lord because he knows the truth anyway, you know, and just tell him, you know, I have a problem in this area. You know why? Because I like it. And there's something about our foolishness that we stay in that's serving us. And you need to find out what is it about this broken behavior that perpetually remains in my life because of my choices and my behavior. What is it about that that is serving me? And once you figure that out, then you can go about at getting rid of it. Amen? Amen. Uh, uh, a 90-year-old lady at Christian Life Center, was, I couldn't have been saved more than a month. And I was sitting next to her in worship. And after the song, she did and said something to me that, that was seared into my soul because 36 years later, I see the whole thing right in front of me. She turned to me after worship service and she said, in a 90-year-old loving voice, she said, I, I told her, I just got saved. I just got saved. My whole family just got saved. She said, two things you need to pray every day. 
create in me a clean heart, O God. And the way she looked at me and the way she had my face, and then she said, secondly, she says, you pray every day, Lord, give me a willing spirit. And that's it from both of those lines are from Psalm 51. Make me want to. That's the prayer. Make me want to do that because I don't. But I'm being honest with you, God, because I really do want to be wise, down deep, the born-again self, you know. But I need my, I need to want to buy the chocolate cake enough to actually take the chocolate cake and put it in the cart and get it out of the store and actually pay for it first before I take it out of Costco. And I do think that there are some people who work in Costco right over there. So they would appreciate you pay for it. And that's why they have someone at the door there, you know. All right, so that's how to, how to get wisdom. You, want, you, you have to want it and go after it and kind of, pay the cost there. And then secondly, here's what happens if you do. And these are four. They come uh, fast at us, the great benefits of wisdom. So starting at six. For the Lord gives wisdom, wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. And so the first benefit is given right here. So I'll just come up with one word answers here. Stability. When we are wise and when we are willing to do the eight action verbs, we will we'll find out that will bless us with stability. And so that when we seek wisdom, we find God because God in your text here is the source of any wisdom. So to draw near to wisdom is to draw near to God, and the consequence of living life near Christ is stability and safety and being protected because you're near to God. Now, where do you find wisdom? In Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's Colossians uh, chapter 2 and verse 3. The only place we're ever going to find wisdom is not in ourselves and not in any book beside the Bible, but it's through the mouth of the Lord, and we have the mouth of the Lord in the open Bible. The open mouth of God is our Bible, and when we put his word into practice, we get this protection. And Matthew chapter 7, Jesus closes up his Sermon on the Mount by saying, listen, in conclusion, folks, I'll tell you about two guys. Two guys both heard me speak. One guy, he was wise. He heard me speak, and then he did what I said to do. He's like a guy who built his house his whole life on a rock foundation. And then, you know what happened? The rains came down, the streams, floods rose up, and the wind blew and beat against that house. But there was no problem. And it was founded on the rock because he lived life from listening and doing. Now, let me tell you about the other guy. The other guy, he listened to me. He could tell you chapter and verse, but he didn't do it. And so he is like a foolish person who built his house on the sand, no foundation. And so guess what? Same things happen in life, don't they, to both. The rains come down, the flood rises up, the wind just bats against that, batters that house. And, and great was the disaster. And Jesus was talking about in this life and in 
the life to come. And so uh, the first benefit here is stability of wisdom. Then he goes on. Then you will understand. Then if the eight action verbs, then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. There, There it is again, path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. So blessing number two, if I would boil it down to one word, I would say discernment slash guidance in life. Here's what he's saying. The benefit of doing the work to obtain wisdom will, will, will cause you to be a discerning person that you will always know the right path to take. You'll always know the right thing to say you'll always know the right thing to do. You will never be detoured off. You will never be going another round around the mountain. You will never hit a dead end. You won't. It'll be like Jesus saying in, in John chapter 8, verse 12, I'm the light of the world. Anybody who follows me shall never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. You will not stumble in life. You will just kind of, it's just a beautiful thing. One writer, uh, a beautiful quote Hear now in these verses that you're looking at. Hear now the joy of a heart where God's wisdom is dawning. They instinctively know exactly what to say and do in every circumstance, sidestepping complications and pitfalls with grace and social agility. Is there anything more pleasant to one's soul as always knowing the right thing to do? It says, listen, you work at this, long and hard enough, in every situation, you're just going to have God's radar and take on it. You'll just know. Don't you love those moments where somebody's talking and, 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 and if you're listening to the surface, you could be thinking one thing, but you see straight through to the heart and it's because God just opened that up to you. You know, that's a wonderful thing to be able to, and that's what brings joy. Why? Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a plenty of ways that seem right to a person, but in the end, it's, it's off a cliff, man. There's death there. And so uh, if you do the eight action verbs, one of the blessings is, is that you're just going to, the light's going to be on 24-7. You're not going to be duped. You're not going to be walking around. What do I do? What do I do about this? Or who do I ask about? I got this problem. And that you're just going to know. It's, it's an amazing thing, and a lot of us have had those moments where, wow, wow, I, I get it, you know? Uh, benefit three, wisdom will save you from the ways of the wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who's, who leave the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and, whose, and who are devious in their ways. And so the third benefit um, has two points to it, uh, moral fortitude. And in here, verses 12 through 15 now, uh, it just means moral strength. You're just good at, 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 you know, holding the line and not compromising morally. Uh, Moral fortitude uh, as a product of wisdom which is a consequence of the eight action verbs, will keep you uh, from being sucked into sin. 
It really fortifies you against two temptations. So 12 through 15 is the temptation uh, really uh, to, to sin and to, to, um, to listen to the wrong voice or voices and crowd. Uh, here's what Ray Ortland said about uh, this verse. The key is in verse 12. Men of perverted speech, really, in the Hebrew. They are often highly impressive, successful, formidable men. Now, you secretly may hope that they will include you in their inner circle, at the office or in the dorm or in the recording studio, over coffee one day and friendly conversation. Uh, The hint will come that they want you. They are welcoming you in. It will mean a little bending of the rules now and then, but cool people are never held back by that. In your insecurity, he writes, you want to be included, but if you take that step, the next time you will go further and further away from Christ, and the next time further still. You might end up in a scandal or some dilemma or even prison, or you might end up prospering, but either way, you will be a fool with a heart that loves uh, darkness. And so wisdom will give you the moral uh, fortitude to be able to say no to that insecure feeling of wanting to be accepted uh, and do things that uh, are morally uh, compromised. How many people will destroy their lives and perish simply because they don't have the moral fortitude to say one word, no? I just wonder how many people have destroyed their lives because they lack the wisdom, because they didn't do the eight verbs. They lack the wisdom that brought the moral fortitude to be able to say no, just one word. That's an incredible, incredible, simple thing, you know, just terrible. Just one word, no. Wisdom teaches you how to say no to whoever for whatever and all of that pressure. Uh, Now, wisdom also gives you more moral fortitude in another area, 16. It will save you also from the adulteress, from the wayward wife with her seductive words who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. For her house leads down to death and her paths to the spirits of the dead. None who go to her uh, return or attain the paths of life. So let's park there as uncomfortable as that may be. So moral fortitude, yes. uh, When cool and the gang come calling, you know, pun intended there, uh, that didn't work. Uh, want to, uh, when they want you to belong and do something wrong, uh, yeah, moral fortitude, because wisdom tells you, no, don't do that. Uh, And then secondly, moral fortitude will keep you safe from sexual sin that beckons. Now, uh, a, a young man in particular here must master two things. One, he has to have the wisdom to be able to say uh, to to channel correctly that desire to belong, all right? So that's what the first verses were saying. You know, you have this deep desire to belong, but you want to channel that to belong to the Lord, to the truth, to the gospel, to the church, 
to Christians. That's where you belong. That's where not you don't belong to the to the night or to the dark, right? And now here he's saying uh, the second thing you need to master is your own passions for intimacy. And that, of course, has to be expressed only in the confines of marriage between a husband and wife, Hebrews 13 and verse 4. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. So sexual temptation to sin is often seen in a temptress, all right? And so the spirit of adultery can be the spirit of lust or seen as a prostitute uh, throughout Proverbs. But generally speaking, the man is the target, although in life it could be uh, the adulterer is the bad guy and or the adulteress. And so it's just framed in, in the generalization that men have this drive that needs to be channeled properly and controlled by the Holy Spirit uh, to be expressed only in holy matrimony, as we say. And so really, you know, he calls her an adulteress. You see, in the, in the King James, you have the strange woman, right? And, and it doesn't mean strange, it means foreigner, foreigner in the sense of outside the covenant of God outside the people of God, outside the gospel, outside the Bible. Here's this woman with no regard to God, promises uh, eternal life, what's right, what's wrong. She's outside the circle of the knowledge of God and decency and morality. And so it, it further on, furthermore, it goes on to reveal her character. It says, listen, you want to see what you're up against? Uh, she's disregard God and her vows to her own husband, and now, uh, now what, is it, what are you going to be, you know? If she didn't respect her own husband, and she didn't keep her vows to him, and now she's coming on to you, you know, what does that say about the relationship that's starting there? And then the initial hook is, of course, the flattering speech or the smooth talk that we're going to hear so much about in Proverbs. You know... Oh, you look so good in that shirt, or have you been working out, or, you know, um, the ego gets stoked, and the compliments are flying, and the attention is shown, and the lies are told, and oh, I feel alive again, you know, and all of that nonsense, and your wife should be so happy to have a guy like you around the house. Gag me with a spoon. Sorry. So there's a quick warning, you know, and by the way, it goes both ways. I've been around for a while. I've heard the stories. It goes both ways. Sometimes you just have to learn through watching other people suffer. Terrible to see it happen. I think I told you about the time I went to somebody's house a gabillion years ago, and uh, she caught her husband cheating. And uh, I took an elder with me, this is three or four churches ago, and um, what a nightmare. Little kids crying in the background, she wanted to confront him with us in the room. Oh, she had evidence, proof. Oh, there was, it was an absolute nightmare. 
911, almost got called. I thought someone was gonna have a heart attack in the room. The things that her, the wife was saying, the chaos, the pain, the suffering, the screaming kids, the tears. My friend and I walked out of the house and either he or I said, I cannot remember who said it, but one of us said, remind me never to commit adultery. <laughs> it was a joke. It was like, yeah, we're healed. We're healed of lusting. We're, we're, we're healed of clicking where we shouldn't click. We've just got turned off on the whole idea of, of looking anywhere but to our wonderful wives. Why? That's the fruit of craning your neck one time. That's where it leads. And that's why it says, oh, it's a little more complicated than you thinking it's a one-night stand. So that's what the verse is saying. Her house, whether it's one time in her house or three years in her house, whatever that house is, whatever that house is, it leads down to death. Every single time. And you know what verse 19 is really saying? None who go to her re return or attain the paths of life. You know what that's saying? Because we know there's forgiveness and grace. I mean, where would half of us be here? Where would everybody be without uh, grace and forgiveness in the area that we're talking about where everybody seems to have some problems, right? Then what does it mean? It means your quality of life after you sin sexually or there's been infidelity, your quality of life is diminished. Yes, God can restore. Yes, God will renew. But is there always going to be a diminished level of, of trust? Of course. Always. Is there always going to be some vestige of guilt or dysfunction or brokenness because of your stupidity? and your sin, and your evil. Yeah. So he's just, he's just saying, listen, if you think you can fool around with sexual sin, it, it, it's a death spiral. And, and every time you go there, your life will be diminished. And it will never be the same. It will never be the same. Yes, you can be forgiven and restored, like I've been saying. But it just won't be the same. David and Bathsheba, it never was the same. There was always problems, okay? So do, do I want to depress you? <laughs> do I want you to leave here all, you know, oh, we're all going to die, you know, that's just terrible. Why even bother going on with life, you know? <laughs> I'm just helping you with the next thought, the next dumb thought that comes our way, right? Because it always leads down uh, to death, just, just a terrible place to be. And so let's finish up then. There's just a couple verses left. And so we have the benefits of, of wisdom being the stability in life, guidance and discernment for every situation, moral fortitude and spiritual strength to resist temptation. And now uh, verses 20 and uh, 21 and 22. Thus you will walk in the ways of good men and keep to the paths of the righteous for the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the unfaithful will be torn from it. Okay, and so number four then would be uh, 
Blessing for your future. So you do the eight action verbs. You obtain wisdom. And wisdom secures your future blessing. I want to talk about what that means. And so he says, first of all, thus you will be a good man or a good woman. Now, I think, you know, at the end of our lives, we want somebody to stand up and say, you know, he was a good man, he was a, uh, she was a good woman. Now, I've done a lot, I've been in a lot of funerals, probably more than the average person because of my line of work, right? And so, usually it's the son or the daughter when a mom or dad dies who gives the eulogy. And... I'm hearing him say, you want to have a reputation for being a good man or a good woman, and you want the words of your eulogy to be actually true, because when you, (laughs) because I've been to a lot of funerals, I hear the whole story from, you know, I meet with the family before, and I'm hearing all these things and seeing all the pictures, and I can get the general picture, and then the person gets up at the microphone, and I'm like, who, who are we talking about, <laughs> right? You want it to be true, right? You want your son, sir, to get up and say things like he kept his vows. My dad, my dad was a man who you could depend on. You know, he would, you know, he would never cheat on my mom, you know. Uh, he'd never look lustfully on, on somebody other than my, you know, he would just not do that. Not my dad. Law-abiding, stood for the truth. My dad didn't raise his voice, didn't use profanity. Nobody was ever afraid of him. He always wanted people to do walk with the Lord and a generous person and, and caring, you know, God-fearing, wise. Or do you want to hear somebody say, you know, he liked to drink, he loses his temper, he'd cuss, you know. He had a little secret problem with pornography. Those kind of men are not good men. They might be forgiven men. They might be going to heaven men. But if you live perpetually like that, with pornography every day or every other day or two times a week, whatever the deal is, or you're drinking too much, or you're cussing, or you're gambling away rent money, that's not a good man. And the reason why you're not a good man is because you won't do the eight action verbs to get wisdom. And all of this is going to come together at the end of your life when somebody has to sum up your life. And you're either going to be told, oh, I said of you that you were a good man, you were a good woman who, who kept to the right paths. They walked a straight and narrow path. And everybody um, can sense the honor in all of that and no regrets at all. So he goes on to say the upright will live in the land. In, in Hebrew thinking, living in the land was enjoying God's inheritance that he gave them, right? And so the New Testament uh, application for the, 
living in the land would be enjoying your spiritual inheritance in Christ. So everything that God has for you through Jesus Christ in the Christian life, to be able to enjoy that if you do the eight action items and you actually have the wisdom. And because you're having the wisdom, you're able to live in with that kind of blessing. In other words, you enjoy the peace that passes understanding. You don't get that peace if you're walking as a fool, as a Christian. You don't get that. You don't, you don't get answered prayers. Even you're, you're, when you're out of line in your marriage, the Lord says your prayers are hindered to the husband. He says you better live right with your, with your wife lest your prayers be hindered, you see? So because the husband's not exercising wisdom in the home, then he's not able to enjoy, to live in the land, to enjoy the blessings of having answered prayer, having the peace of Christ, and all of these other blessings that we have. We have joy. You're not going to have Christian joy if you're living in moral compromise and not wise. Power over sin and uh, uh, productiveness and, uh, and being uh, effective. So the unfaithful uh, Christians, and there are some, uh, just forfeit the blessing that could be theirs. But those who are wise are blessed and walk with wisdom and enjoy everything that Christ has for them. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for just uh, exhortations, Lord, just that just really go straight to our hearts and how to um, do our due diligence, Lord, by the grace of God to dig deep and to, to try hard and to live intentionally so that we might be wise and, and, and be on the right path with you, path of blessing. Class of, uh, a path of life. We thank you, Lord, and we want to commit our efforts toward wisdom to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Closing song. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvarytherock.org.